This morning, before we dive in to today's message, uh, I, I want to just spend a moment, and I want us as a church, whether you're joining here in the house or on the backstage patio or online, I want us to join together to pray for the situation in Ukraine. And uh, I don't know about you, but there have been a thousand emotions, a thousand thoughts over the past 48 hours, actually even going on uh, a little bit longer than that over these past few days watching what is going on over there. And uh, now more than ever, we need to be reminded um, of what we just sang about, um, that God is good, because he is good, even in the midst of the crisis that we're watching in Ukraine. So would you join me in a word of prayer as we pray uh, for those who are in harm's way this morning? Father, it is, uh, it is very difficult to watch and not feel sadness, maybe fear, anger, shock and surprise as we watch what's going on in Ukraine. And Father, I, uh, I just want to pause this morning and I want to pray for the innocent people of Ukraine who are right now in harm's way. Many of them are in bomb shelters and packed together on subways. There are emergency rooms and there are women are having children down in those areas, Father. And we here can't imagine what the people of the Ukraine are going through. And Father, we just appeal right now in the strong name of Jesus that you would just be with these people who are in harm's way. And Father, I pray for the churches, I pray for the missionaries, I pray for those who are already um, beginning to, to plan and already are providing relief. Father, I pray for those the little boys and little girls and moms and, um, that are being separated in many cases, in most cases, from their fathers and being displaced. And Father, none of them asked for this, none of them wanted it, and I pray that you would protect them. And Father, I pray for leaders throughout the world. Father, I pray in the strong name of Jesus that you would give them wisdom. Father, I pray that you would give them discernment. You would continue to give many of them bravery, as we see in the president of Ukraine. And Father, I pray that you would be in control of this, the whole situation. And Father, I pray for those who are within the sound of my voice who may be experiencing that fear, that anxiety, maybe anger and shock about what's going on and what we're watching that has bubbled up very, very quickly. And Father, I pray that you would help us. Help us, Father, to to go right to you. Father, when those moments, when we have those, those times, I pray that we would go to you, that we would think of the people and that we would just pray that we would hit our knees. And Father, I pray that through this situation that you're exalted and that many people in this desperate time would come to know you as their Savior. And Father, as Stephanie already prayed, Father, we know that there's a day coming when you're going to resolve everything and that uh, you will bring everything to a conclusion and 
Father, uh, we look forward to that day, maybe now more than ever. But God, in the meantime, you are not done with the church. Father, I pray that we would be reminded of that. That no one knows the day or the hour. But God, you're not done with the church. And I pray that we would be on the lookout. That we would be watching. And that we would be praying. And that we would be on mission. That Hilton Head Island Community Church would not allow the things that are going on in the world to distract us. In fact, may it encourage us to be even more on mission. And Father, we just give the whole situation in Ukraine and Russia's invasion, we just give it to you. And Father, we pray that good would win over evil right now. And we pray this all in the strong and the mighty and powerful name of Jesus, the name above all names, and all of God's people said, amen, amen. It's no coincidence that today we're going to be taking a look at a passage of Scripture, Exodus chapter 18, where we're going to be focused on Moses and his leadership quotient and how he had certain things in his life that didn't indicate from the outside standpoint that he was going to be a good leader. In fact, uh, I think what we could say is just the opposite is true. We've already looked at his upbringing, the time that he was born. We looked at the fact that he uh, committed this atrocity of murder and that uh, he hid this man in the sand and tried to get away with it. And we've looked at the fact that the nation of Israel was whining and, as we said last week, whinging and complaining about their circumstances and situations and wanted to go back into Egypt, back into slavery. And now we find the nation of Israel in, a, in Exodus chapter 18, and we find them in the desert. And we come to this place where we see this, I think, what is a great situation, a very interesting situation. And what we see here is a gap that Moses has in his natural leadership quotient. And you don't have to raise your hands on this, but I just want you to ask yourself, do you feel like in your role as a mom or a dad or a student or a leader in your business or maybe a small business owner or a leader here at church in small groups or in our kids' ministry or student ministry or wherever you may serve in this community, do you often feel like you have a gap in your leadership quotient? Uh, some people are already raising their hands, all right? So we're getting real honest here this morning, all right? So yeah, okay, that's fine. I, I definitely do. I feel like there are times when I have a huge gap. I, I worked uh, at 24 years old. I, I had the great privilege of going on staff uh, with John Maxwell's Enjoy. And John Maxwell's written many, many books on, on leadership. And I was uh, surrounded by many people in that organization that I looked up to as leaders and kind of rubbed shoulders with some of these great leaders around the country. And now that I think about it, it was a long time ago. I'm um, getting older and older. That's funny how that happens. But uh, anyway, and um, I remember thinking when I was introduced to some of these people, my goodness, I, I, I can only aspire to be the natural leader that that person is. I can only aspire to be uh, you know, this, this great strategist like this person is. I could only aspire to be that great pastor that this other person is. And I looked around, and as I looked around, there was a little bit of leadership insecurity that I began to develop at 24 years old. And I saw the gap between what I was naturally gifted with by God and where I wanted to be or what I saw. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, 
that sometimes we think that great leaders are just born. How many of you have heard that before, great leaders are born? Well, I learned at John Maxwell's organization, Enjoy, and if you've had any interaction with John, you know that he talks about in everything he talks about that great leaders are not born. Great leaders are made. Great leaders are made. And the fact is, is that those of you who raised your hand about or thought, yeah, I sure have some leadership gaps in my life, um, the fact is, is that we all have leadership gaps in our lives. The problem is, is that sometimes when we see a leader that we look up to and we see someone who's, you know, incredibly brave, like we're watching with the president of Ukraine, Zelensky, or we see someone who's making wise decisions, or someone who's a great strategist or logistical leader, the problem is, is that we view their life and we view their leadership in terms of a snapshot, right? We take one snapshot and we get the picture of what we see in a moment. And the reality is, is that everyone in terms of leadership gifting and leadership quotient, we're, all, we're never at a point where we're in that snapshot all the time. And so we all are going to find this gap in our leadership quotient. The great football coach Vince Lombardi, the Green Bay Packers, anybody Packer fans out there? Wow. <laughs> Man, that was failure. Wow. Unbelievable. A few years ago, that would have been a sh couple shout-outs. Anyway, I'm not even going to ask it again. All right. Vince Lombardi says this. Vince Lombardi says, leaders are made. They're not born. Leaders are made. They're not born. They're all made by hard effort, which is the price which all of us must pay to achieve any goal that's worthwhile. Leaders are made, they're not born. And the fact is, is whether you are, you know, whether you're listening online or back on in the backstage, maybe getting a little rain on you, uh, patio, uh, or if you're here in the house, um, you may not think of yourself as a leader, but you are. You're leading someone. You're leading someone. It may be in your home. Students, it may be in your school. Students, I want you to hear again, it may be in your school, it may be the way you conduct yourself in school, the way you treat other people. It may be the way you treat your parents. There's a little shout out to the parents in the room. You can come back to that at lunch today. Remember what Pastor Todd said. You're a leader. You may not realize it and you may not see the people that you're leading, moms and dads, grandparents, aunts and uncles, you all are leaders because there are people who are looking at you and they're watching you and they're watching your behavior and they're watching the way you respond to crisis in your homes and in your businesses and around the world. The world is watching us and each of you are leaders in some way or another. Moses was this leader who now we know led two and a half million people out of captivity. He led two and a half million to the edge of the promised land. That's next week. We're going to talk about that next week in our final um, uh, message in this series. He was the one that saw the burning bush that God spoke to him. He was the one that went and got the Ten Commandments that the Lord put on him, this stamp of approval that he was going to be the one who was the prince of Egypt. But if we stop and take that snapshot of his life, 
it's interesting. We don't find many great leadership ideals and characteristics in his life. And so that's the dilemma that you and I have. That's the dilemma that Moses has. That's the dilemma that any leader in any capacity has is there's, all, there's always going to be this gap. And with that in mind, I want us to realize that we, in our leadership role, wherever it is, in many different capacities, in a small capacity, and maybe just one capacity, we may never feel like we measure up. But that's where God comes in. That's where God can cover that gap. And I think we see this in Exodus chapter 18. Now, there's God's part and there's our part. Let's take a look at Exodus chapter 18, verses 30, uh, 13 through 26. Now, just as a way of review, they're on the Sinai Peninsula, the Israelites. They're, they're about three months into their 40-year journey, and they don't know that it's going to take them 40 years to get there. Remember, it took about 11 to 15 days for them to come the other direction before so this is um, kind of like the vacation where you got lost and you really never got home. Maybe some of you ended up here. All right, so Moses found himself leading these people, two and a half million who were whining and complaining, and now they're beginning to quarrel in the desert. And if that's not bad enough, Moses is supposed to be judging them. He's supposed to be essentially the, the judge of disputes that, are, that they have among each other, and he has a line that is much, much longer than in your doctor's office or in your dentist's office or wherever you've been recently that you had to stand in line for Chick-fil-A. And uh, so anyway, he is, uh, he's got this long line of people that have all these disputes and he's judging them. And to make matters worse, who shows up? His father-in-law. <laughs> In-laws have a way of showing up just at the right time, don't they? They have this just innate thing about themselves. They just show up at the wrong time. Time. My mother-in-law is listening, I'm sure, this morning, Sandra, not you, of course. All right, so anyway, so his father-in-law happens to pop in on him leading. And as we're going to see, things aren't going well. Let's take a look at chapter 18, verse 13. The next day, Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood around Moses from morning until evening. I got to tell you, these disputes must have been really bad because I wouldn't have stood there all that time. I would have just gone to the person and said, hey, you know what? You're right. I'm wrong. Let's move on. All right. So anyway, I'm not going to stand here all day. Verse 14, when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said this to Moses. You're doing a great job, buddy. Keep on going. <laughs> Is that what he said? No, that's not what he said. He said, what you are doing what, what is this that you're doing for the people? Why do you sit, say that next word with me, alone? Why do you sit alone? And all the people stand around you from morning until evening. And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God when they have a dispute, they come to me, he's mentioned me twice now, and decide between one person and another person, and I make the, the, uh, make them known the statutes of God and his laws. Moses was trying to do it all alone. He was trying to do this thing all alone. In verse 17, Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you are doing is, what are those next two words? Not good. It's not good. You and the people with you, you will certainly wear yourself out. You'll wear yourself out for the thing is too heavy for you. 
You're not able to do it alone. And if I'm Moses, I'm going, oh, my father-in-law. Here we go again. But it gets worse. Verse, 18, or verse uh, uh, 19, now obey my voice. There's one thing. I miss my father-in-law dearly. He passed away in 2017. There's one thing he never said to me. He never said, obey my voice. So I am very, very thankful for that. Uh, he says, I will give you advice. I can see Moses rolling his eyes. Like, oh boy, here we go. I'm going to give you advice, and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God, and you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws. That's what Moses was supposed to do. And make them known the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, verse 21, look for able men. Here's where his advice comes in. Look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy, and hate a bribe. And such men put over the people and place such men, place such men over the people. Hundreds and fifties and of tens. And let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you. But any small matter that they shall decide themselves. So it'll be easier for, what's Jethro say here? You. So it'll be easier for you. It'll be easier for you. And they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure. And all these, this people also will go to their place in peace. So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law. Maybe some of you need to put that on your dashboard on your car. Okay. And did all that he said. Moses chose able men out of all of Israel and made them heads over people, chiefs of thousands of hundreds and fifties and tens, and they judged the people at all times. Any hard case they brought to Moses, but any small case or small matter they decided themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart. <laughs> I love that. He let his father-in-law depart and went on his way to his own country. Now there's a lot that's packed in here, right? I think it's an intriguing passage of scripture. I think it's very interesting because there's so much that's going on here. But today, I want you to, to take a look at the notes. Just three things today that a good leader is willing to recognize um, about themselves. The first thing is, is a good leader is willing to recognize their weakness. Man, that's so important, isn't it? A good leader is willing to recognize where they're weak. Moses is out in the desert and he's got this line. I mean, it is horrible. It's a horrible situation. And his father-in-law comes to him and says, what you're doing is not good. He doesn't encourage him. He's not like, hey, you're doing a good job. You're meeting the needs of all the people. What you're doing is not good. What you're doing is not good. He didn't mince words. You know, Jethro could have handled, uh, handled this, and he could, have, uh, he could have handled it differently. He could have been a little softer. Maybe you would have been a little softer. But he knew in that moment that Moses needed to be confronted with this thing, and he was concerned about Moses. Did, did you notice it's when he said, this will be good for you? He had genuine concern for Moses' well-being. He had genuine concern for the nation of Israel. 
See, the problem is, is with weaknesses is that we view weaknesses as weak. You're like, of course we do, Todd. That's in the word weakness. The problem is, is that we don't view our weakness as a strength, as an opportunity to allow someone or some group of people to do something and to, to, to have a part in God's kingdom that maybe they never would have And so we view this as a weakness. We're afraid to admit our weaknesses because we think it puts us in a position to be weak. But actually, listen, I want you to hear this. The opposite is true when it comes to leadership, true spiritual leadership, the kind of leadership that Jesus talked about, that servant leadership. When we admit our weaknesses, that's when we are the strongest. Because it's in those moments where there's this gap God gets to cover. When that happens, he's the one that gets the glory. He's the one that gets the accolades. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the church at Corinth, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10, says, for the sake of Christ, then, he says, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. Y'all, I prepared this message weeks ago, having no idea what would happen over the last four days. And what we're seeing in Ukraine, I think, are people that really truly understand this. And perhaps they have faith in Jesus Christ. Perhaps their faith is deep in God and what he's doing. Or perhaps it's not. But there's this idea there that even in the midst of the persecution and hardships, they understand that when they're weak, they're strong. We're seeing this played out. But what about you? What about me? Man, I struggled with this for a long, long time. Those of you who are business owners, you may have started your own business, how hard is it to let go? Am I right? How many of you have all these different degrees and all these different accomplishments that you had in the corporate world and you kind of get to the top of where you're going to be and it is hard to let go, isn't it? It's hard to let go. Because when we think that we're strong, we think that we hold the power, we think that we hold the control. And I've experienced, and I experience this on a daily basis, it is very difficult to let God do the work that he wants to do to fill that gap and to let others be a part of it. And the key element, I'm going to give you three key elements today. The key element for us being people who are leaders who are willing to recognize our weaknesses is humility. It's just humility. We have to realize that it's through those struggles, it's through those times when life is difficult and when the the hill seems to be much more steep, the mountain seems further off, the goal seems to be going further away as you're running towards it. It's in those times that we become more strong. There's a story uh, that was written years ago No one could ever find who the author was. But it's a story of a butterfly. One day a little boy found a caterpillar. You remember this growing up? Took it home, put it in a jar. He gave it some leaves to munch on and a stick to make it feel like it's home. 
He watched with delight as the caterpillar began to form a cocoon around itself. He was excited to learn that one day his caterpillar would someday become a beautiful butterfly. Some time passed. One day the boy watched as a caterpillar struggled to free itself from the constraints of that cocoon. Struggle continued and the caterpillar seemed weak and desperate to try to free itself from a very tiny hole at one end of the cocoon. At one point, the caterpillar seemed to have stopped struggling. The boy wondered if it was still even alive. But a heavy heart, he couldn't watch any longer. Worried about the caterpillar, he took a pair of scissors. And he snipped off the remaining bits of that cocoon. Well, the caterpillar, which now resembled a butterfly, emerged easily. Had a swollen body and shriveled little wings the boy continued to watch it, expecting that any minute those wings would spread out and enlarge and expand enough to support the body. That never happened. That never happened. In fact, the butterfly spent the rest of its life crawling around. It was never able to fly. What the boy in his kindness didn't understand is that restricting the cocoon... The, uh, the restricting cocoon and the struggling required by the butterfly to get through the opening was a way of forcing fluid from its body into the wings so that it would be ready for flight once that was achieved. It needed the struggle to overcome its weakness and to turn into that beautiful butterfly it was meant to become. How many of you would say today, man, I'm, I'm in a struggle right now. I'm in a fight for my life. And I have tried to not embrace the struggle. I need to start embracing it. When you're weak, that's when you are strong. But it takes an impressive amount of humility, doesn't it? Proverbs 3.34 says, Toward the scorners he is scornful, but to the humble he gives. Say that next word with me. He gives favor. He gives favor. It takes a tremendous amount of humility that perhaps you need to ask God for every single day to become a leader who's willing to admit their weaknesses. Second point this morning from Moses' life, a good leader takes the advice of how to be a better leader. I'm just going to be honest with you. If this had been my father-in-law, I mean, you're in the desert. You are in charge of all of these people. They're beginning to complain, and now they're arguing with each other, and the tension is building, and there's this huge line, and all of a sudden your father-in-law pops up, and he's the one to give advice. I'd have been like, hit the road, Jack. <laughs> no way, man. <laughs> I'm just telling you, I would have gotten defensive. You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you get defensive when someone gives you advice. And the closer they are to you, the more defensive I get. <laughs> Man, it's hard. It's hard, but a good leader takes advice on how to be a better leader. I would have answered with a lot of defensiveness, but Moses listened to the advice, verse 24 again. Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law, and he did all that he had said. Sometimes we can't listen 
Listen, I want you to hear this. Sometimes we can't listen because we are too busy defending ourselves. We're all caught up in defending ourselves from the advice that's being given, and you don't know how to do that, and I do, and I've been the one that's placed, and I've got the position, which means nothing in true leadership, right? This is how we're going to do it. You can't tell me, and we're so busy defending our position that we're not listening, and perhaps it goes back to what we talked about a couple weeks ago. Perhaps that person has come to you as a gift from God to help you. This happened to me this morning. It happened to me over the past two weeks. I started a drywall project in my house in November. It's not done yet. It is not done yet. And I had someone that I really trust and admire, and I listened to his voice. And two weeks ago, he said, why don't you just pay someone to finish it up? And I listened, but I didn't really listen. (laughs) And even this morning, I've got, I've got a couple guys that pray for me every morning, and they always ask me how I'm doing. Sometimes they ask me what sins I need to confess. Do you know how humbling that is as a pastor, but good and healthy? And this morning, they asked me how I'm doing. I said, I'm a little bit tired. I've been working on drywall all day yesterday. And one of them said to me, a guy I greatly respect and trust, he said, hey, just make sure you're not working on it too much because that's not what God's called you to do. And if you saw the drywall, you would know that's not what God (laughs) has called me to do. (laughs) Proverbs 1.5 says, Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. Learning and listening go hand in hand. And I think that the key element here is for us to be willing to learn. We have to be humble. We have to be willing to learn. And the advice that Jethro gave to Moses in this particular situation is one of the key pieces of advice itself in closing the gap in your leadership quotient, the third and last thing this morning. I think we can learn from, I think, a somewhat humorous but serious and difficult situation is a good leader knows how to empower others around them. This is the hard part. This is where the control really gets out of control. A good leader knows how to empower others around them. Don't you love Jethro? I mean, he's the father-in-law, and you're kind of irritated that he just popped in, right? I'm not going to ask you if your in-laws ever popped in like that, but he does, and he surprises Moses. But, man, his leadership advice is excellent, isn't it? Hey, Moses, you can't do all this. You're going to die. Just split them up. Tens of thousands and thousands and tens or thousands, tens and, and, and ones. And you just do the big stuff. You take on the very difficult situations and disputes. Let other people have a go at it. I think it's something that every leader struggles with. To learn what it means to be a team player and still be a leader. Verse 25 of Exodus 18, Moses chose, he chose, he did what his father-in-law said. And he chose able men of Israel and made them heads over people, chiefs, chiefs of, uh, heads of, over the people, chiefs of thousands and of hundreds and fifties and tens. I mean, Jethro just, like, he just got the whiteboard out and, and did the whole thing. Man, here's the structure in like two minutes. 
and you're done. And Moses implemented it, didn't he? It was good that he was listening to the advice. It was good that he didn't get defensive. The key element is for us to be a team player. And sometimes when you're in that leadership role, the thing that keeps you from being a team player is this idea that if you give it away, you're going to lose control. And I've been there again. I, have to, I, I deal with this every single day. So it's easier for us just to do it ourselves, isn't it? We lie to ourselves. We tell ourselves, I do it all the time. It's just easier for me to do, do this myself. I'll just, I'll just take care of it. It'll take too much time to explain. It'll take too much time to train. It'll take too much time to build the team and the people. In Moses' case, it was good for him, but it was also good for the nation of Israel. And I want to remind you that the great things of God in the history of God's people, they weren't done alone. Noah didn't build the ark by himself. Moses didn't lead the people of Israel by himself. The new church wasn't built by just Peter or just Paul or just James. It was built by a group of people. It was a team effort. And if we're going to close that gap, we're going to be people who are humble. We're going to be people who are willing to learn. And we're going to be people who are team players. See, that leadership gap dilemma gets solved. God is never going to give you a task that he hasn't equipped you to do. Except for drywall. <laughs> but I want to ask you today, are you on the right task? Are you on the right task? Do you really have a humble spirit or is there some pride that you need to let go of? Are you willing to learn or do you think that you know everything about what you're doing? And do you think that you can do it alone or is there some room in your life to give it away? Whether it's in your home, whether it's at school, whether it's on that committee or that team or it's in your job or in your neighborhood or in your church. We're going to learn a little bit next week about how everything that we've talked about these past few weeks is pointing to Jesus. It's pointing to him. It's directed to set the stage for what God was doing with the redemption of mankind. And listen, here we are in the year 20, what is it? 22. <laughs> and we're still a part of that. And given the events of the last few days, we have to remember that God has used people like Moses, he's used people like you and me, and the church has never failed. It has never been shut down through wars and rumors of wars. People have failed. People have shut down. People have walked away. But God's bride, the bride of Christ, is still going strong after all these years. It's because it's leaders like you and Moses and me. Even if our natural leadership quotient is small, if you and I, if we're humble, if we're willing to learn and teachable, if we're a team player, God will use us to make a difference in the lives of people in this world. He will do that, even in today's world, especially in today's world. May you and I take up that mantle of leadership, whatever it is, and may we 
do our part in closing that gap and let God do the rest. Will you pray with me this morning? God, I love this story. I love it because I see myself so much in Moses. And I'm sure there are a few people who see themselves in Moses too. And God, right now, I pray that you would raise up people here at Hilton Head Island Community Church who uh, would be people who realize that uh, there's a gap where they're leading at home, whether they're leading in their schools, in the classroom, in their business, here in this church. Father, I pray that you would, um, you would help them close that gap. I pray that you would help them to realize that it's when they're most weak that you can do the most work. And Father, I pray that you would remind us, remind me, remind us of that often. It's in those moments when we humble ourselves and admit that we're weak, that's when you can do the greatest work. We see it in Moses here. His humble heart. He could have been embarrassed. He could have been defensive. He wasn't. He didn't. He didn't go there. He listened. He was humble. And he became a team player. And Father, I pray that you would do that with us. Father, I pray for all the people who are here in this house and those who are listening and watching online, those who are in the backstage patio. Father, I pray whatever of those three key elements we need to um, work on in our lives, Father, I pray that we would do our part in bridging that gap. And God, I pray that you would do the rest. And Father, um, this is a critical time in the church, not just here, but around the world. Father, I pray that you would help us to rise to the occasion. Father, I pray that we would step up and that we would be all that you have called us to be and that we would be nothing more. That we wouldn't try harder, that we wouldn't have to think that we have to. But God, help us to be who you created us to be. And Father, may we trust you to fill that gap. I thank you for Moses thank you for this extraordinary life of this man who is really unfit in so many ways highly unlikely but you used him anyway use us despite everything for your kingdom for your glory pray this in Jesus name